Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is AJ Shepard. Thanks for being on the show, AJ. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I appreciate it. Yeah, AJ and his brother, Chris, own Uptown Properties out of Portland, Oregon. AJ is the current RVP for the National Association of Residential Property Managers and volunteers to help property managers learn, grow, and build relationships across the nation. AJ definitely has some skill sets that we all need on our team. You know, as commercial real estate owners, operators, or even as a passive investor, you need to know that your operator has someone like AJ on their team. You know, one of their claims of fame is turning a bad property into a good community. And that's what I want us to get into today and some some examples of how they have done that successfully, because that's where the value is as well, right? You know, is operating that property well and building that good community. So AJ, welcome to the show. Give us a little more about your background in commercial real estate and maybe getting into property management and why that's your focus. And let's talk about, you know, maybe some examples of how you all brought, you know, those bad properties and made them into good communities. Sure. Appreciate you having me on the show, Whitney. I've been listening a long time and very excited to be here. So appreciate that. My brother and I started buying properties right at the downturn back in 2007, 2008. We got up to enough properties that we're like, hey, why don't we start managing for other people to bring in some more income? So sometimes we call ourselves the accidental property manager. And in around 2013, 2014, we found the association, uh, NARPM, National Association of Residential Property Managers. And it's been a great place to learn how to really hone our skills with property management and really just become kind of like the best in our craft. We like to think that we're rising and growing a lot, growing at least 50 to 60% each year, steady growth. When we started doing syndications ourselves just in the last couple of years, and starting to buy larger and larger properties. So that's kind of our background as far as like we've gone. We've got a property management company that we opened up in 2011, construction company that we opened up in 2011, brokerage, and then now syndication. And yeah, really what we found through what we know is like really making sure that the property is managed well and turned over well is really the keys to success and making sure that you keep your vacancy low and then your profits high. Nice. Well, you have tons of experience that we, and there's so many things we could talk about on the show, but you know, as far as the property management piece alone, you know, I want us to dive into that bad property, you know, and maybe you have an example or a couple examples of where it was difficult or where it's not the common scenario, you know, of that value add we talk about often, but some scenario where you all been able to turn a bad property or what was considered a bad property into a good community. And let's walk through some of the things you did that the listener could do as well. Yeah, absolutely. About a year ago, we purchased a nine-unit complex, you know, from a self-landlord, someone that managed it themselves and kind of had, you know, deferred maintenance on the outside, a lot of tenants on just like different lease agreements, maybe some cars or some vehicles and some landscaping. I mean, I'm sure you've kind of seen those type of properties. What we did was is come in and I wouldn't say lay the hammer down, but it's really being diligent about making sure that you keep on and say what you're going to do and and do what you're going to do what you're going to say. 
So in this property, what we did was, is you generally, the first thing that we like to do is make sure that everyone is on the same lease agreement. Typically, when you get this property, everyone's got a different sort of agreement. So what you what we do is give them a notice to put everyone on the same agreement. So and it's an agreement that we know really well. You have to honor that old agreement though, right? We do. We do. Most of the time when you get these properties, the tenants are on month to month. So usually it's just a change in terms. There's no real consideration that needs to be given for that just because their term is literally like 30 days. But you do have to give them that 30 days notice to change the terms. So that's that's really good. And maybe not starting right away with rent increases. We usually like to change the utilities over to a rub system. That's ratio our rental utility bill system. And then once we've got those new terms in place, it's really about making sure that those new terms are followed. You know, in ours, we have specific considerations that don't allow for vehicles to be parked in landscaping. They have to be parked on the street. There's no tarps. Like all these like kind of little things that like the curb appeal of the property to make it looking a lot better. Like it's in the lease because people have done it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there's a lot of, pr- I mean, like knowing your lease inside and out is really important. And like as a syndicator, it's kind of important. Your property manager is going to have one that they use inside and out at every property. It just makes sense for us to do that. So getting a copy of that lease and understanding what's in it, like what sort of rules the property manager has to apply by and what sort of rules the tenant needs to apply by. And having a good idea of that can be super helpful. All right. So, you know, making sure they follow those things is easier said than done, right? And I can definitely think of some examples personally where it's it's so important to know your lease because there are just times where there's bad actors, right, that need to be evicted, right? I mean, there are, you know, it's damaging to the entire community. But there's ways that obviously you're trying to protect the other tenants as well and create that good community like you're talking about. Any other ways as far as, you know, you take over a property like that, you're going to ensure everyone's on the same lease, you're going to put rubs in place, new terms are in place, and you're going to make sure they're followed. Speak to that a little bit, you know, obviously, and maybe speak to the operator who's working with a property management company like yourself and trying to ensure that these things are followed and what happens when they're not followed and just following up to ensure we do develop that good community like you're talking about. Yeah, again, it's about consistency, making sure that the the correct notices go out at the right time. And every jurisdiction is a little bit different. We're in Portland, Oregon, and I'm sure everyone's heard on the news of rent control and all the stuff going in and the landlord tenant laws are pretty strict. So making sure that we follow those to a T is is really, really helpful. I will say that like NARPM is a community of property managers, which allows us to ask questions of our fellow colleagues, which is a lot, I would say, not necessarily, but it is cheaper than just like going to a lawyer every time. So it's really kind of like crowdsourcing that information. And anyone in the NARPM community will say that they've, they've asked for that information and it makes it easily accessible, which is super nice. Is that a platform or association that's good for landlords as well or owners? I mean, or operators, or is that mostly just for property management companies? It's comprised of professional property management companies. So one of the prerequisites to be in is you have to have a professional license. All right. So go right ahead. Just about that relationship between the operator, property management company. When we are turning that property, you know, from the bad community into a good community, it's so important. How do we manage that relationship to ensure we're doing it as efficiently as possible? 
Yeah, and we work with larger clients as well. And the best thing to do is have regular meetings with them until the property is really stabilized. You know, usually we have a once a month meeting with our client, make sure that we have a schedule. So we know what notices are going to go out and then how long it's going to take for those notices to come into place and then what the next notice is going to go out. And we just kind of have this schedule down. That schedule kind of goes like, you know, notice of the change of agreement. And then we go in and during that time, say we stripe the parking lot, make sure to put numbers on it. We come up with a plan for parking and then we start charging for parking or we change that agreement. And then, you know, maybe a month or two later, we then implement rubs. And then we know that that takes 90 days to set effect. And then we kind of stagger these sort of like increases or you know, stuff that the tenant is receiving. And hopefully we always try to couple it with a little bit of improvement as well. Maybe fixing up the landscaping. Like I said, maybe removing those vehicles from the site, like making that curb appeal better. So what you're doing is you're actually improving the community and the tenants see that you're improving it and then understand why the rental increase is warranted. Nice. Speak, I wanted to go back to the lease a little bit. That document's very important, right? I mean, speak to maybe common things that are not in a lot of lease agreements. I know you talked a little bit about it, but anything that's out of the norm that it's like has been just a game changer or lifesaver for your property management company? The lease that we use is pretty standard and we've been using it a long, long time. I know that What we find in other people's leases is they try to add stuff in there that isn't allowable by law. So we use a standard form that I wouldn't say the state comes up with, but some associations come up with, and it's tried and true. As far as like what's in the lease specifically, you know, items that deal with parking, items that deal with tenant upkeep, what they're responsible for, whether there's barbecues allowed on the place or not, whether, you know, they can have their bikes outside, like strapped to the railing or not. Like these sort of things that like you go by and you're like, oh man, that place kind of looks interesting. And like just having those like small little nuances not there and increasing that curb appeal can do a lot for your overall return. I mean, I think the main thing is really like reading that all the way through in a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Any other just keys to success in property management that you could share before we move to a few final questions? Yeah. Yeah. So the other portion, like as you're bringing this new property on, like getting it set up correctly is great. But then as you're going through the cycle, really managing it and making sure that you're reducing your vacancy and you're maximizing your profit. Like vacancy is the silent killer for a lot of properties. So what we do, there's a new program called Rent Checkout. We send that to our tenants. Sometimes we get a property and we haven't even been in the unit. You know, when we're bringing on new clients, sometimes the tenants are, you know, it's a fourplex and one unit is vacant, but the other three are occupied. So we've never seen these units The owner typically doesn't provide us any sort of information. So getting the tenant to actually do that rent check and like having them check out the carpet, the flooring, the cabinets, like, is this stuff that's going to need to be replaced? Is there any major items that you can start getting prepared for? I mean, maybe the tenant had kids and there's just like crayons all over the wall. Like that way, you know that you can schedule your painter. So if you get that, we typically send this, we call it a scope of work inspection. We do it about a month before a turn. And then the tenant then provides us that information, hopefully within two weeks. And then we have about two weeks to like prepare for this turnover. So the day that they move out, 
we're able to get in there and get that work done within a week and have it ready for showing afterwards. Another couple of tips that we do is when you're writing your leases. In Portland, it's, there's a cycle. Most people don't want to move over the holidays, kind of like November, December. So that's a really bad time. It starts getting cold in like October, November. Nobody really wants to move then. And then January and February is just like, everyone's working on losing that weight and not drinking. So <laughs> we find that there's like a season for moving. And if you want to get the best rent prices, you put your house up for rent when there's a lot of people looking at it. You know, we found that the more people that see your rental, the better off that you're going to do to get that higher price. So we typically write our leases to end anywhere from like April to like August, I want to say. And if we're in like, say, September, like we'll just write an eight month lease. You know, it can be shorter than a year. It can be longer than a year. But we find that like we're going to get a 10 to 15 percent higher rent if we're within that window. And I don't know, like, there's, I'm sure that there's windows for every state. You just got to figure out what that window is. Another tip that we've done is sometimes people like really just want to get out or move and writing the leases to end on a Sunday so that when, as a property manager, I employ people to work Monday through Friday. Most of the time I might have one person on the weekend, but if that lease ends on the, you know, the 30th or the 31st and that 31st is a Thursday, like my inspector isn't going to get out there till Friday. And then I'm wasting those like two days in between on the weekend of not getting anything done. Like trying to really start that turnover process at the beginning of the week. So you get the maximum amount of people into the property and max amount of work done in the shortest amount of time. That's some great, that's a great tip right there. Like don't make the lease in, look at that year ahead or see what day of the week it is. So it ends on, you're saying like make it end on Monday or Tuesday. We're picking dates for like eight months of the year. Like I literally have to pick eight days of like when we want the leases to end. And then I give that to my person who's writing leases. And when they set up a new lease, they just pick one of those days that works. And yeah, it's not something that's really tough. So you mentioned like vacancy being the silent killer. And tell us some ways that you all have been creative to decrease vacancy or maybe you know increase your traffic and things like that. Yeah. Getting the property up for lease, like marketed. When we see that rent check, like we're, as soon as we get that back, like that property is up and we are getting people in, not into the property, but like taking people in from our marketing. Like we post it to, I want to say 30 or 40 different sites. Most of our stuff comes in through Zillow, which they've now started charging for, which is new. We also still use Craigslist. And then our back-end property management software syndicates to like 30 or 40 different sites. But tracking that and making sure that we know exactly how many leads are coming in. And I think that this may be a little bit more, maybe different because we do a little bit of smaller multifamily and each unit can be a little bit unique. So really looking at those numbers, like if we put it up for marketing two weeks before and I see that like only two or three leads have like really want to see the property, that's not enough to get a lease signed in a couple of weeks. Like we always shoot for two weeks to have a lease signed. We may be a little bit under market, but I can tell you that having two to four weeks less of vacancy at a $50 less a month is only 600 bucks. Like it's well worth it to get someone in and the place leased out rather than have it sit vacant for a month. No, that's, that's great advice. That's great advice. Think through your vacancy and what it's really costing you trying to wait and get that rent increase by a few dollars a month as opposed to you know the vacancy for over a long period of time. 
to elaborate too, like as a syndicator, if you're working with a property manager, they should be able to kind of give you an idea of how many people are looking at that marketing. Like is when pricing is very, you know, subjective to each market. But like if there's not a lot of people looking at that marketing, I mean you can look at a few different things. Like are the photos good? Having great photos is we find one of the highest things that drives traffic to your listing. Like having those great photos. We do 3D tours too. Rico camera has a 3D camera that can it's a lot cheaper than Matterport. So that is very helpful. We do those with our listings. So that's the number one thing to get like those listings really marketed well. But as a syndicator, you should be able to ask like, hey, how many people are coming to see it per week? How many people are like saying, I want to see it per week? Like these sort of numbers are available on the back end of marketing and making sure that, you know, if that property manager can't give you that information, there might be something you want to look at or suggest that they can improve. Are there any other pieces of technology that have helped you to streamline the lease up process or even just, you know, or any platforms as well, like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or apartments.com, any of those, it's like, we've got to have it on this platform. And this is how we handle that to ensure we're, you know, getting in front of as many tenants as possible. I'm happy to share what we use. We use Appfolio for a backend software. I think most of the Property, man- a lot of property managers do. Some people use Yardi, Buildium. We use Lead Simple for a sales process, which is like bringing on new clients. And they recently just started an automation. My company is actually in our second week of implementation of that. So I will have to come back on and let you know how it goes. One of the things that we do that really helps out, and Whitney, I'm not sure if you use, but we use offsite professionals. I've got like eight or nine girls in the Philippines that work for us that do a lot of work at a significantly lower price, which is super helpful. We also do self-showings. And I don't know if a lot of syndicators do this or allow for it, but what we've found is putting a lockbox on the site. Typically, it's like a code box, kind of like a real estate box where the tenant has to send a photo in of their driver's license, make sure they're a real person, but then they can access it and see it whenever they want. We actually had this implemented well before COVID, which was pretty cool. Like we had... I don't know, five or six showings like on Christmas Day, which, you know, I was like, you're not going to employ a leasing agent to be out there on Christmas Day. But if someone really wants to go look at it, they can. Is there a technology behind that that helps you to manage self-showings? Sure. We use uh, Tenant Turner. And then there's a couple others. There's like Show Mojo or Rently. We use Tenant Turner. They do have a little bit of AI with the response. So if someone texts in, like they have an AI that responds and then gets them that person like into the place as much as quickly as possible. Elaborate on, you mentioned eight VAs in the Philippines that are working, doing a lot of this. I mean, I've used a lot of VAs for a lot of different things and still have, you know, using them now. Very useful and great workers typically do great work. Tell me a little bit about what they are doing for you, you know, what they can do in their process a little bit. Absolutely. So first of all, the first thing we do is we use a voice over IP. So Rowena answers all of our phone calls, has uh, answers all of our tenants. If they call in, they're like, I need to submit a work order. She's like, go to this website. Or she maybe tries to help them out a little bit more, points them in the right direction. So she handles that. I have a next like upper next customer service specialist, Angel, and she does a lot of the lease renewals. And she contacts tenants about uh, renter's insurance, making sure that that's all up and going. And then I have another girl that really does kind of like the lease application process. She handles all the new tenants coming in, 
making sure that they're able to get into a new place. I have a couple of leasing agents that are like brokers in Portland, but each of them now have an assistant where they can do and manage a lot more properties. So they're the ones putting up the marketing, coordinating with the photographer to make sure that they get in, making sure that the photos get listed. Craigslist ads are all up and going. Everything's looking good for all those properties and units. I have another one that does like invoices for construction. Another one that does accounting stuff, enters all of our utility bills, splits it up into rubs, then applies it to each of the accounts. And then another one that does like bookkeeping for some of our several companies. So they range in capabilities. Like, and it really depends on, you know, probably a little bit on pay, but like really interviewing and making sure that you get that A player. But it's been great having them. We do call them offsite professionals. And we like... I like that. I love that term. Yeah. So every, every Wednesday, we have them on video conference. Like I've been doing video conference well before COVID. We use Ring Central, and it just... I've, I've actually had them like on the TV screen at events. So we'd have a live event in our office, and I'd put them up on the TV screen and have them interact with either my clients or people coming into the office just to say, show that like these are actual people. They're human beings. And they do great work just like anyone else. So we've utilized that a lot and really enjoy having them on our team. Yes, us as well. I love that term, offsite professionals, instead of VA or virtual assistant. I do I appreciate that. And I appreciate you laying out those tasks there. It's great for the listener to be able to hear. Like these people are extremely capable. Honestly, the lady that's full-time for us in the Philippines, we have different people that work for us there. I mean, her grammar and English is much better than mine. You know, she was a teacher there. It's just very skilled, you know, and it's very dedicated. And so, I mean, she's been great, you know, a great asset to our team. And so, JJ, what do you predict, say, over the next six to 12 months to happen, say, in the real estate market? You know, I'm really interested to see what happens with the eviction moratorium. Currently in Portland, I think this month, some of the tenants, if they haven't said that they've got problems with COVID, are going to have to start paying that back rent. Luckily, we haven't seen as much as maybe the rest of the U.S. has seen or either my company has not seen as much. I think we're at like 3% of people that haven't paid. So we feel very fortunate in that aspect. But I believe that nationally, it's a lot higher than that. I have heard rumblings of like landlords saying that they're going to want out and nobody wants to sell right now with their property being underperforming or a bad asset. So I think that we're going to see a lot of properties like this pent up selling demand or pent up people that want to sell come into the market. And I want to say it's going to be probably towards like late summer, maybe even into Christmas would be my guess. What about a couple of daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? I wouldn't say they're daily habits. They're like weekly habits. I typically write like a to-do list Monday morning on like, I come in just kind of sit down before I answer email and I'm like, all right, what are the the high important tasks that I need to get? Like me, I need to get done or I need to make sure that get done this week. And then my brother and I also set like yearly goals, really stretch goals and really breaking those down to quarterly goals. And then we meet once a week and then make sure that we're on track for those goals. And those that's been super helpful. And it's really just like outlining, like what are the high important tasks that need to get done and then following up with those. What about the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I would say a while ago, my brother and I have always been the do-it-yourselfers. Been in there, like I remember uh, demoing flooring in one property or putting in plumbing or doing all this stuff. 
I will say the advent of having and hiring employees and really partnering with people to get help us get more stuff done has been a huge success. And over the last five years, we've really scaled with that. I think we went from two employees to about 20. Wow. Awesome. And how you like to give back? I really do enjoy the NARPM position as RVP. That is a volunteer position. I help the chapters currently this year over in California and Hawaii. I'm talking with them kind of once a month, the leaders of the chapter, on how they can run a better chapter meeting, how they can really give back to their community a little bit or back to the property management community a little bit more. So I really, I volunteer a lot of my time with that and educating property managers. And one of the things that's nice about NARPM is it's all open and honest and very easy communication A lot of us are not competitors because we're all in different markets. And so there's open line of communication and willingness to share. And I've always been a big fan of continual learning and making sure that you're just making yourself better. Nice. Well, AJ, it's been a pleasure to get to know you and just really hear some some real examples and things that we need to know about to take that bad property and and make it into a good community. And even just how vacancy is a silent killer in ways that you have built a team, you know, that you call offsite professionals. I love that term, by the way. You know, you've built this team of offsite professionals who are helping you, you know, ensure vacancy is at its lowest at all times, right? And so grateful for you just sharing those details with us. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure. My brother and I have started a podcast with West Side Investors Network. So we're on that weekly. Feel free to listen to that. If you have any questions about property management, you can email me at aj at uptownpm.com. And our website's uptownpm.com and uptownsyndication.com. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.